Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Five Rounds Podcast, the only podcast out there with the cardio for those deep water championship rounds. Hi, Max, and with me again is my son, uh, Carlos. Carlos, how are you? Oh, not too bad. How's yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, great event last night. Uh, UFC 252 kind of lived up to the harp. Uh, well, in some of the fights, some of the fights did weren't as uh, as. As interesting as they could have been, but we'll get into that anyway. Uh, quickly, let's just run through these early prelims and, and prelims. So we started the card with Ka Kamaka uh, getting the decision against Tony Kelly. Then Chris Dorcas getting the first round knockout against Parker Porter in the heavyweights. Going on to the televised uh, prelims, started the show with uh, with uh, Livia Renata Souza getting the decision against uh, Ashley Yorda. A big victory for Souza there. Uh, then we got Danny Chavez getting the decision against uh, TJ Brown in the featherweights. Uh, Werner Yanderoba continuing a good run of form, uh, beating uh, uh, Aphelis Herrig, who hasn't been in the UFC for, for nearly two years, got the first round sub. And then the, the featured prelim, uh, Vince Pichel picking up a really big victory against uh, against Jim Miller in the lightweight division. Um, a very um, very good victory for him. He really dominated uh, Jim Miller on the ground, and yeah, he started off a spate of uh, people with very weird mustaches in, <laughs> in on this show. Uh, we had him. Uh, we had um, John Anik and uh, Junior Dos Santos all looking like they're doing a, a Magnum PI impression. <laughs> so the main card we had five fights started uh, in the bantamweight with uh, one of the fights I would say was a didn't live up to the hype at all Um, John Dodson versus Marab Devalshvili and it's a shame really because I think Marab is a really really talented fighter um, and, and Dodson, obviously, we know him as as someone who who challenged DJ so many times and really pushed DJ uh, to his very very best. It just seemed like this John Dodson didn't want to come to fight, and it was it was pretty much three rounds of him uh, kind of avoiding the the kind of um, the combat when uh, Devastral, who's who's, who's Skill base is wrestling. When he went uh, for takedowns, uh, Dodson was um, amazing at kind of avoiding. I think that altogether throughout the three rounds, uh, Devashvili threw twenty attempts at a takedown and only actually secured uh, two or three, and they were in the la- later rounds. But the issue again is, like I said, this was not the Dodson that we remember. It was there was no kind of aggression from him at all. It was literally just 
trying to avoid fighting at all times, kind of reminiscent of the, the Houston Alexander fight when he fought Kimbo Slice, where he just didn't want to engage at all. Um, fair play to um, to Merritt. I mean, he really tried to push the pay, he really tried to kind of uh, to to get the fight going, but you could see he was getting frustrated, and that's when he, he went for more and more takedowns. Um, but yeah, the three rounds were, were pretty were boring to be fair because there was just no action it was literally just people um Dodson avoiding uh Mirab and Mirab trying to get that engagement and just not being able to to be successful in it uh Mirab picked up a, a very clear unanimous decision which was absolutely on the money and just disappointed at how uh Dodson really went into this fight I, I kind of don't understand the game plan they were there was nothing in his his approach that said he wanted to even attempt the win at all. It was just kind of he wanted to survive 15 minutes and get out there with a paycheck, which is a bit weird. But Murad picked up a, a good victory. Uh, I think he's now something like five and two in the UFC. Really getting a bit of steam going. Uh, and yeah, there were there were talks about him kind of pushing right up those bantamweight rankings. Uh, and, and I think this fight probably will do that. I think uh, Dodson was 12th ranked and he was like 15th ranked, so it will help him rise up there, uh, maybe to get a top 10 opponent next time. Well, the guy who just fought, obviously, Verera, he, he just beat mm. Sean O'Malley, which Marab, he was on about, well, we'll, actually. We'll definitely get to that. Uh, uh, Marab was on about uh, wanting to fight O'Malley. Mm. Uh, but the, the one thing about Marab is he come from Long Island. He come from... Uh, Ray's gym. Incredible fighters have come out uh, uh, along with MMA um, in the last couple of years. Obviously, you've got uh, Alaya Quinta, you've got Aljamain Sterling, now you've got Marab. Uh, you got fighters coming out there uh, each time. Uh, I would have speak to a friend of mine, Tom, obviously, because uh, obviously Tom trains at Black Knights uh, with me. He's he's a fighter himself and he's been following Marab for years. And last night when he was on, he sent me. Uh, he sent me a message saying, oh, "Look up this guy called uh, Jamie something." I'll, I'll post his I'll post his name on a on the Twitter account. But Jamie something, a guy who's uh, who's who's also who also fights with uh, trains with Marab and, and Aljamain, who's going to be in the UFC soon. And so there's there's fresh talent for so my point is there. What I'm making is there's fresh talent for Marab to always build and grow because mm-hmm. there's that many fighters that have come out of the gym that have already competed. For titles, won titles. One of the coaches there, obviously Chris Weidman, was the he beat the goat. He was the middleweight champion for a couple of years. He defended the belt like three or four times. Um, so yeah, he's he he's already got people there who he needs to he needs to look at and go right. I need to do what they did, but only better. And I think he can do that. See, I've, been, I've again, I've been following him for years, and this far. Is uh, I know a lot of people might say it was boring because he or he might be boring because he goes to the decision a lot, but it's not like one of the decisions where we talk about where it's you go into decision and you're making nothing happen. He pushes the pace from mm-hmm. round one to round three. Doesn't matter if he's in a three round fight or a five round fight. You will see him pushing the same pace as he does in round one than he will do in round five. That's the sort of fighter he is. He may not get the finish, but he will give you a fun shot. He will give you a fun fight. Yeah, it's just in this fight, Dodson didn't want to come to fight. It's as simple as that. And, and two things happen when one of the fighters isn't up for the fight. One, he'll get finished early because they'll get they'll get uh, cleaned out. Or two, we get three rounds of, of kind of like 
uh, hide and seek almost, and that's what we got. Definitely. Well, the, the, say the one thing about Dodson is obviously what we were speaking about last night is he's a lot smaller than a lot of the people mm-hmm. in that bantamweight division, and he's not even fighting in the top ten yet. So when he fights in the top ten and he's fighting people that who were bigger than him and who were killers, and I'm not saying Murab's not a killer. He is. A, he is a killer. He, he knows how to fight. At the end of the day, he's he hasn't got. Uh, he's not on a far fight win streak in the UFC for uh, for nothing. Um, but John Dodson, he's just for me, he's a bit too small for that division, and <laughs> and that sort of killed him last night because uh, Marv's wrestling, the way you were able to deliver them overhands and then level change straight in for the double leg up against the cage, and that's why we seen when he, that's why we seen him able to have twenty takedowns uh, attempts, but only managed to. Dodson's not an easy person to take down, but the fact is, Marab's that good. He was able to try twenty times to yeah. take him down. And it, for someone who's that fast as Dodson, who people can't even touch most majority of the time, for him to set it up with hitting him first and then grabbing him, because most majority of the time, if you hit Dodson or even throw a punch at Dodson, most majority of the time he's already moved, he's out yeah. of the way. So for you to have the speed to be able to connect to his chin, level chains, and shoot him for his legs without him being able to move like he does, that's incredible. Um, but that's... It, it, but. In his defence, I think that's what played against him tonight. The fact is that he was a smaller guy. He was, he, for me, he was the weaker guy when it came to like uh, the clinch work. Um, punches, I believe he had that. I believe he just had that power uh, on Marab if he let his hands go. I believe he had a lot more power than him, just a little bit more power than him. But at the end of the day, he was too sceptical to let his hands go, and you can't mm-hmm. blame him for that. With a guy like Marab, who trains with, obviously... Railing or Chris Wilde and Aljamain Sterling, Ali Quinter, but not only that, he's got Matt Serra in his corner, who's got Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. When when you're a, a, a high-skilled uh, Jiu-Jitsu expert like Matt Serra, and you are training with these, and you are training these fighters on a daily basis, their ground game is going to be scarier. So you couldn't, I couldn't personally, I couldn't blame myself for for dodging, trying to play it safe, and for trying to stop the takedowns, keep it to the feet and keep the distance. But again we've always we've talked about it since the beginning of like when we started doing the podcasting. Them don't make exciting farts and them don't make you move in the in the divisions you're in. But for Marab he picked up the perfect win and for me I'm glad he picked up the win because I wanted him to win. Um puts another win in in, in Lingard's gym, puts another win on his record and puts another step forward in that bantamweight division. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. Um, so then after that, we're going to probably the the biggest shock of the night. Herbert Burns taking on Daniel Pineda. Uh, Pineda, for, for old school uh, UFC fans, is someone who uh, hasn't fought for the company in like six years. Uh, got the got the late call. I think he said he was something like 20 pounds. Oh, on. 11, he's had to fight 11 times to get back into the UFC. Yeah. Um, I think he did. He take the fight on like about six days' notice or something like yeah, that. Yeah, um, And they picked up the the victory. And what a victory it was! Uh, obviously, we know Herbert Burns as someone who's uh, got a very very competent ground game. But uh, this this Daniel Pineda, this new kind of Daniel Pineda, he's really upped his own ground game, and he was actually able to dominate uh, Herbert Burns on the ground, which was quite shocking to see but that not only was he able to dominate him on the ground he was also dominating him on the feet as well yeah. uh, his, his shots were a lot heavier he was um, he, he, he just seemed to really have a lot of sting in his tagging he, he landed quite a lot of uh, 
of, of those rats uh, and yeah he, he was just able to kind of hurt Burns and then when Burns went to his went, went to his wheelhouse of, of takedowns Pineda was able to scramble and reverse and then also get a lot of top position uh, the first round it was kind of a there was a lot of uh, really interesting ground game really a lot of uh, reversals uh, attempts at submissions uh, Pineda and, and, and Burns were, were were kind of delivering a bit of a uh, like a, a class on on uh, wrestling and grappling on the floor, the the the, the big difference in in the the two approaches though was when Pineda had top position, he was doing a lot of damage, especially with those uh, punches and elbows. When Burns eventually was able to get top position and, and go for the the kind of a Habib leg lock and and kind of a crawl up up the the opponent's body. Pineda was able again to kind of reverse that and get it get it out of uh, out of danger. So the first round it was a really strong round for Pineda. Going into the second, a lot of the same things where um, they they started trading early. Burns went for for uh, the takedown quite quick and it, and it got down to the floor. There was a. Um, a bit of a scramble and then ends up getting back onto the feet. A lot of uh, uh, punches and elbows. But when it did get down to the floor this time, uh, Burns really did well. He, I think at one point he got... Uh, it, it was trying to force Pineda away from the cage to, to not uh, let him have that kind of a uh, um, solid uh, surface to work against. But then he got back back control and then we saw a beautiful uh, transition uh, from Pineda which which turned that back control into a crucifix and th- that was it, it was just game over, he isolated both arms just lamped him with elbows uh, you could see Burns really trying to like, kind of throw Pineda off just to no avail and, and Mark uh, Smith had absolutely no um, no choice but to call this fight off because he was just getting reined in on elbows and punches of a quality victory, really exciting fight to watch. Uh, well done, Daniel Pineda, and welcome back to the UFC, Definitely. man. What did I say to you about 30 seconds before the referee stopped that fight? When you're in that cruise six position, only thing he needs to. What did I say? The only thing he needs to do now is start raining down blows because mm-hmm. that ref has got no other choice to stop that fight because in the cruise no position, defense. in the cruise six position, you have got both hands tied down. There's no defense. You are just freely hitting that person in the brain. If that person can't get out of there, can't move. That's a technical knockout because if you doesn't matter how many times you do it, you can hit him another hundred times and not knock him out. Yeah. You're going to give him damage. Simple as that. So the referee is always going to stop it. So if you're in that position, you fucking finish it there and then just go for it because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, if you know they can't get out, the ref's going to stop it no matter what. Well, it, 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 was in that, it was in that crew fix for what a good minute. Trying to like work his way out of it, and, and his face was just getting absolutely demolished. With it was it wasn't even the punches; it was the elbows. The elbows just, to the socket, and I'm like, it's it, the it, it, it split. It made uh, basically uh, made Burns look like both his eyes are twelve. I mean, to be fair to Burns, he did damage Pinheiro. We saw that cut ab- mm. above the eye, but that it was knee was vicious. What cut the eye? That yeah. was a perfect counter knee from Burns. Uh, but but those shots that Pineda were laying in on that crucifix, you could literally see over that minute or so period the difference between Burns going into that crucifix and Burns coming out of it because he looked so damaged in a minute. Definitely, it all this fight all came down to stamina because for me mm-hmm. these these two fighters uh, for me are equally skill wise uh, a match on the feet and on the ground uh, and for me it all literally came down to who's got the better gas tank and. 
Daniel clearly had it last uh, last night. Obviously, in the first round, there was a massive grappling exchange. That takes a lot of cardio, a lot of strength, a lot. It, it takes a lot out of you. A lot of people don't. A lot of people just look at it and go, "Oh, that that, that seems easier. Try it." It's fucking not. Uh, yeah, so it's um, it does take a lot out of you. And Burns gassed, and he got slopper in the second round. And Daniel from going out of the UFC from when he got cut. Obviously, he came in in like 2012 or something like that, 13. I think he picked up two, lost three or four. Um, yeah, he's four and, four and four now in his record. Yeah, so it's uh, so he, he he lost, he didn't have the, he didn't have the best of runs when he came in. He's gone, he's had 11 fights. I, I don't say that as in like, oh, UFC took piss, made him having 11 fights to come back. He's chose to have them 11 fights. He's chose to go out there and get that experience. He knew that, He's got cut from the UFC, he's done something wrong, he needs to change something about his game. He's gone, he's took them 11 farts, he's learnt something, he's come back, he's just finished a guy who people run about, oh, he should be he should be basically following his brother well, soon about fighting for a title. Yeah, well, even Herbert Burns went into this fight, was unbeaten in the UFC 2-0, and, and now he's 2-1. Exactly, so it's... A, a guy like Daniel should... should If I were Daniel, me, I, I would, I'd be a... I'd be asking for a, a, another name to keep that ball rolling because mm-hmm. if you've done that all that work, eleven fights to get back to where you want to be, back to where you should have been when you were there six years ago, and you got cut. If you were there and you and you beat a guy like Burns, you keep that fucking train rolling. Yeah. You I mean, keep that I train mean, rolling. You don't stop until that train gets derailed. It's got the potential to do what Lando Venata did. Lando Venata was out in the wilderness, came back, took a, a, a last minute fight on a one fight contract. And two years on, he's had about six or seven UFC fights, so he's got that potential there. Uh, it's just good to see him back, and good to see him still hungry. Definitely, and also one good. I don't know. I don't know if it is true, but like I said to you last night, obviously he's come in. He's got his show. He's got his show money. He's got his win bonus. I don't know if he's got his twenty-five percent of Burns. Burns weighed yeah, three pound over. I don't know if he's got a finishing bonus. He, he, he said in the in the post fight uh, interview with Joe Rogan, uh, Joe Rogan will like tighten up how much he made on it, and he, he just yeah, he was just like, well, hey, the guy's fucking after this, literally from getting cut to coming back to to beating a guy on short notice on uh, actually getting a finish is phenomenal. That Dana White will be looking at him, thinking to himself like, if he's stayed on this route. I have got another champion on my hands. Simple as that. And he did. He looked like a champion. He looked like he needed to do... He, he took some shots. He, he had adversity. And he, he were able to overcome it. And he were able to see... He, he were able to see Herbert slipping and getting lazy on, on the feet. And when, So when he was about to basically get comfortable and go into the transition to the full mount, he thought, fuck that. I've, I've saw the crucifix here. He got slipped. He's not even defending it. He slipped straight into it and he knew exactly what to do and he took the finish and took the victory. Yep. Uh, right, on to the middle of the main card now with uh, the heavyweight bout, Junior Dos Santos versus uh, Jozinho Rosenstruik. Jozinho uh, obviously trying to come back off that, that devastating whooping from uh, Francis Ngannou, trying to kind of get that uh, that uh, momentum back going. Um and it worked. It really did work. Uh, Junior Santos, obviously, former uh, champion, and it, it's it's sad to say how much that guy has fallen off from being an absolute killer uh, going into like the Cain Velasquez and, and Brock Lesnar eras to 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 basically what he is now. Um, 
First round, though, to be fair, I actually gave it to Dos Santos. I felt, even though he was very nervous, and I think even Rosenstreet was uh, quite nervous, there was not a lot of uh, action going into like, the, the later minutes of this round. It was more uh, Dos Santos wanting to keep Rosenstreet at bay because once he hits you with a shot, he's going to hurt you. He proved that against, uh, against Overeem. Uh, so Dos Santos kept him at bay with uh, with uh, long rangey jabs and and the the leg kicks and the front kicks. Uh, there was a, a couple of times in this round where uh, both fighters ended up kicking the up the their opponent in in the nuts. Uh, the the one at the end where he, he literally kicked him in the nuts. They took about a two minute break and then as soon as they started the the fight again, the round was over. But going back in into this round, it it was pretty much. Dos Santos uh, kind of controlling the pace, staying out of uh, Rosenstruck's way, throwing the kicks. When Rosenstruck caught kicks and, and kind of had his own attack, Dos Santos did well to evade. Didn't really get get caught that much in, in, in the round, to be fair. But then going into the second round, um, Rosenstruck looked a little bit more lively, like he, he kind of used that first round to weigh up what uh, Dos Santos's game plan was. Um, Dos Santos kind of also got a little bit more... Uh, braver with his shots, he was he was uh he was willing to get more in in into like action with uh Rosenstreet, but Rosenstreet started really pushing the pace, throwing the leg kicks, and you could see how he was kind of putting more more kind of stanking to him. So it was it, they were hurting um, uh, Dos Santos a lot more. Um, Dos Santos tried to do some body work, did landed a couple of clean rats. Rosenstruik uh, countered with uh, with the kicks. I think Rosenstruik could sense that there was going to be some time when he was able to to throw those bombs, and he was just kind of a sensible fight. He didn't get he didn't get um, a, like forced into a into a battle that he wasn't ready for. He just waited, picked his shots. Um, he uh, he started like, like I said, he was throwing more stank in those leg kicks, and there were a point where he uh, he stumbled. Dos Santos, uh, Dos Santos like, started to, to kind of get worried, uh, but the the, final, the the end came really when Rosa Street was able to, to kind of corner uh, Dos Santos almost, get him up against the uh, defence. Dos Santos tried to, tried to escape, uh, he got clipped with a rat, uh, got, gets dropped, Rosa Street pounces, lands a lot of punches. Uh, Dos Santos was just absolutely away with the fairies, uh, try to try to like kind of regain his composure and survive. Rosenstruck was not having that. Took the took the punches. In in comes um, the ref Daniel Dan Mergliotto, waved it off, and a, a good comeback victory for Rosenstruck. Get get uh, another win back in that win column, uh, pushing himself back into contention. Definitely. Um, don't forget about Rosenstruck when I said it in the first round. I thought it was obviously it was a gunshot, not, not long just being knocked out by Francis. You don't want to come back and run into a guy like JDS, especially early in the fight, because early in the fight, uh, uh, a not tired JDS will, will, yeah. will knock you out. It's an elite level boxer. Uh, definitely. So I think Rosary played it perfectly. In that first round, yeah, even though I, I believe that I, I would give that first round to JDS, Rosary used it perfectly. To just tap him in the leg, keep his distance, tap him in the leg. Then uh, at the end of the at the end of the round one, going into the round two, when Rosenstruck actually got hit a couple of times and felt the power, I think in his head it's like, right, I've, I've, I'm getting that confidence back now because I've been able to I've been able to take his leg away a bit. He's uh, 
his front leg, so he can't put as much pressure on it, so he can't put as much power into that right hand and knock me out. Um, I think that did work for him, and when he did get it with that right hand, I, I think, obviously, he knew, I can take that, mm-hmm. I've damaged his leg enough, I've weakened him, I can take that shot. And let's go in for the kill. Basically, yeah, I've, I've, I've got more confidence, I can feel that, I can... Because he's a counterfeit a, a lot more. We've seen it a lot when, even when um, when Dominic Cruz even said it, like when uh, a lot of people know that he got knocked out, but before he did get knocked out, he still landed that left hook on Francis. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the best moves that he's, he's knocked people out with, especially that right hook as well. We see it against uh, Overeem when he, when he knocked him out. Well, uh, it, took, and it took five rounds of whippings from Overeem, so we know he's got a chin. Oh, yeah, but he's also, he, needed, he only needs that one shot. And it, it kind of proved it in this fight because it was one big shot that, that, that did right the damage hand. and he just followed it up. Definitely, that one big swing in the right hand. And that's the, that's an, another thing that's fun about the overweight division. Doesn't matter who you are, a lot of people think that, oh, didn't, I think this guy's going to win, I know this guy's going to win. It's like, that heavyweight division is just raw power. You get hit once, don't mm-hmm. matter who it is, you get hit once, they've got the potential to put your lights out. Yep. That's why sometimes I love watching the, the heavyweight division because you just physically do not know who is going to take that. Sometimes you just do not know who's going to take that fight. Um, it could literally be anyone's fight. And this was that fight tonight. This was anybody's fight. Like we said, we saw JDS get the better of the stand-up in round one. Then coming into the round two... Rosenstreich opened up. He got more confident on his feet. He, he didn't. He got more gun happy. He were able to get his shots off. Um, and as soon as he saw his opening, he took it. He went straight in. He saw the right hand there, and he hit DeSantis with it, and he hurt him. And as soon as DeSantis has turned his back, he jumped on him. Now I believe if DeSantis didn't turn his back and just covered up, I believe he would have been able to use his boxing and his head movement to get out of there. That's one thing that I hate about people turning the back on their opponent, especially if you get hurt. I know it's sometimes a little bit... Yeah, it's hard for me to say because obviously when you get rocked, your brain's a bit all over the place. You, you, sort, of, you sort of lose your sense of direction for a minute. You, you sort of don't know which way is up or down or left or right. So you can... I can understand obviously the people doing it, but obviously when you someone like Junior Dos Santos who's been in them sort of situations before who's been practising that sort of stuff you'd you'd think in them situations that he'd be able to sort of react a little bit a little bit differently sort of be able to like absorb it shit I'm going to cover up do everything I need to do rather than shit I'm panicked fuck it let's run he's going to mm-hmm. knock me out uh, that, but that's what we saw and I believe if he, if he didn't do that I believe that fight that fact could have gone on a little bit longer. Do never turn your back on your opponent. Yeah, yeah, it's it's daft, and we we actually saw that in the the main event uh, right at the end. I mean, it wasn't as, as significant. There was a, but uh, even Bones like commented on it about if there's two seconds left in the fight, why are you walking away? Uh, if that if that's anyone else, you catch hands. And we, in fact, it wasn't it wasn't long ago? We yeah. saw a fight where someone was walking. Well, walking around, and they like got four and seconds, got, seven seconds to go. Guy and they got, got a clock. Fucking went over and cracked him inside the head. Which you don't do. You you fight to the bell. Uh, going into the core main event and um, the the biggest kind of shock in terms of uh, an underdog winning not not to people who know uh, about MMA um, a lot of people were kind of uh, writing off Marlon Vera which is a dangerous thing to do because that guy is a, he's a little pit bull uh, and he was facing Sean O'Malley uh, the latest one of Dana's kind of uh, harped up young young kids uh, 
with a, an immense amount of raw talent, but maybe being pushed a little bit too soon, and this fight kind of proves that. Um, it wasn't that long ago that O'Malley actually fought, um, and then when he came into this fight, we, me and Carlos both commented on the fact he had the uh, the ankle supports on, which to me signifies that he's, he had a, an injury going into this fight. Now, is this the fault of... Uh, him wanting to to kind of uh, keep his momentum going, or is it the fault of UFC pushing him before he's ready, not allowing him to pick up the injuries and kind of capitalising on the, the the notoriety of him, obviously with him being a very outspoken fighter with his massive clown wig. Um, were UFC kind of maybe not so much bothered about his health and fitness, but just wanting to make more money off his name? Uh, who's to say? For me, he's going down the Sage North Cup rule. Uh, road where he's got massive amounts of potential, potentially a world champion, but he's still very young and still very raw. And I think sometimes UFC have got this habit of of getting big names, uh, really pushing pushing behind them when they're not quite ready, and then when the the kind of heart train heart train like derails, tossing them aside. We've seen it with Paige Van Zandt. We've seen it with Sage Northcott. We've seen it with countless fighters where uh, once they start losing. I mean, you could even say potentially with Darren Till, uh, once he started losing, he kind of like tumbled down the card a little bit. Uh, and this is this is what I fear for Sean O'Malley. Uh, but getting into the fight, um, yeah, we we instantly thought there's something suspicious there with him having two ankle ankle supports on. Uh, he started off quite fresh, a, a little bit nervy, which, like I said, against Marlon Vera, you should be nervy because that guy, he, he is an animal. People have wrote him off in this fight and they should never have done that. But uh, O'Malley was throwing kicks um, both to the, the legs and the body. Uh, Vera was switching stance a lot, uh, which kind of said that, that the kicks were hurting him. Uh, but the, the big change in the fight came when... Uh, uh, O'Malley was uh, was trying to uh, move forward and you could see where he rolled his ankle now the the commentary didn't pick up on it in the fight and a lot of the the actual uh, press on on uh, rest on MMA Twitter didn't pick up on the on the the roll they kind of suspected it was his knee no it was definitely his ankle uh, when they showed the replay after the fight you can literally see where his toes dug into the the canvas and his ankle literally just rolled over um, he tried he, he did really well to try and hide the fact that he had a uh, an injury, but you very knew it were there. We knew it were there. He couldn't. It couldn't hold. Uh, put any weight on it. Uh, it took a lot of kicks to it because of that. Uh, he was brave enough to actually throw some kicks with the same leg, uh, but that was kind of his downfall. He threw a kick with the leg, and as he like tried to to kind of like plant his feet back, he uh, he fell back because that foot just gave away. That ankle gave away. He fell down. Um, Vera got on top. Uh, just started laying in punches and elbows. Uh, you could just hear the pain that that O'Malley was in. Uh, Herb Dean did well to to stop it. Potentially, you could say it was a bit early because O'Malley was was not really kind of uh, taking a lot of damage, and he wasn't like getting knocked out. But you could see that Herb knew there was no getting up. He couldn't stand up on that leg. It showed even after the fight in the in the uh, the result that he was struggling to stand on the leg, and the minute. Uh, Bruce Buffer announced that Marlon Vera had won, won the fight Sean O'Malley was out on a, on a stretcher that kid has got a, a major major problem with his ankle um, hopefully uh, he'll come back well nobody likes to see anyone get a, a severe long term injury so hopefully it's it's as 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 
as small an injury as it, as it can be, but great victory for Marlon Vera um, and yeah, just back to the drawing board for Sean O'Malley and possibly for UFC in, in, in terms of harping these young kids that, that clearly aren't ready. Definitely. At 25 years of age, he's harp train as my personal opinion has not been derailed. He's just been sent on a sh- it's just been mm-hmm. sent on a on, on a different route. Uh, he will come back. He's 25. He will come <laughs> back. It's just a, a thing you've got to overcome. Obviously, there is uh, a a lining injury there with his ankle. Uh, in his last fight, he, he injured it. Obviously, now he's injured it and. You don't wear ankle support for no reason. If, you, if you've got healthy ankles and that, you, you have no reason to wear them. Um, and obviously, he does a lot of kicking. And so when you do a lot of kicking and you're in, in, you do initial damage, like even if it's the micro fractures or just little tears in your like ligament, uh, ligaments from kicking all the time. But obviously, these professional athletes are training five, six days a week. And then obviously, when they're in the fart camps, they're in the fart camps training seven days a week for a month, two months. So you're always going to get initial initial damage. Not not one fighter comes into a fight at 100. percent I'd be surprised if, if a fighter does come into a fight at 100. percent mm-hmm. Because if they do come into a fight at 100, percent they haven't, they haven't pushed themselves hard enough. Um, or they've got the fucking best sort of training regime out there, and they need to get everyone on it because they'll make a fucking fortune. Um, but yeah, no fighter comes into a fight at 100. percent and when you've got an injury with your ankles, with your knees, with your back, and it actually stops you from performing, that's the sort of shit you need to think, oh, I need to sort it out now, otherwise I'm going to lose and lose fast, constantly, and my career is going to take a turn for the worst if he doesn't sort it out. But not taking nothing away from Verera, he, he checked a kick, and he knew... Because, again, he's a kicker himself, so he knows... He, he knows how people's hips move. It's like a, it's like going back into the last fight, like Dasanyas. He was fighting a lot less, like onwards, like a boxer. He was fighting a lot more sideways on. Like at any point, he were about to spin and, and do like a, um, like a heel hook or something like that. He was fucking spinning, spinning shit, all that spinning shit. Um, but yeah, O'Malley were like, he, he stands like that, and Verera knows as soon as the kick's coming. He knows exactly what to do, how to check a kick, uh, uh, how to move out the way. Um, and he was able to not only check the kick and and see the initial damage before everybody else. If you actually noticed about Verera, which were well, one of the perfect things, he started moving to the left. Now, Sean O'Malley's obviously... Uh, is it Sean Riddick's right foot? His left foot? Which foot Riddick? His right. His right foot, yeah, sorry. Um, Verera actually started moving to his right because, um, no, no, sorry, sorry, it's fucking left. His left foot. Um, he's actually started moving to his left because when Verera knew that he's at his leg there, if I walk this way, I'm not walking onto the power side. I'm not walking onto where he can catch me with his full power. I know if I walk this way, and we've seen it, he walked to the left and he took a couple of kicks off, off O'Malley. But we've seen them, them kicks weren't doing nothing because that leg were hurt. Yeah. It's just, it, Verera knew... If he walked the other way, O'Malley, he'd be able to kick him with the other leg. But yeah, fair enough, it'd have to be a sharp kick because he won't be able to put a lot of pressure on that leg straight away. We've seen it. When he put pressure on that leg, he ended up falling down yeah. over if he put too much pressure on it. But if Verera actually walked the other way and, and give O'Malley that chance to get them quick, snappy shots off, he'd be able to put pressure on the leg and get enough time to, to kick him and bring his leg back down. But because Verera used his, his fight level IQ and knew 
he's injured here. If I go to this side and just keep picking at him and picking at him, this part's mine. And eventually he did. He put, he made O'Malley beat himself. He made O'Malley keep having to put pressure on that leg. Because when he was moving that way, O'Malley switched answers. And he was trying to bounce about and actually go the opposite way to what Vera were going. So he could try and switch Vera's game up so that Vera started going back to his like, ordinary game plan. But again, Vera's too smart for that. He stuck to his game plan. He knew he's hurt. I'm going to injure Gazelle here and I'm a lion. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to fuck this, this, this time for feeding up. I know he's injured. I'm not going to let him get away. I'm not going to do anything wrong because I want to eat. Simple as that. And that's what Vereira did. He knew if he kept on going that way, he'd make the gazelle outrun itself and, and make itself tired. And it'd be an easy meal for him. And it did. Sean O'Malley had to go on that leg. And as soon as he fell down, he just knew the pain hit him. The pain hit him straight away when he fell down. He just he physically couldn't stand up. He, he If he wanted to stand up, he, he would have stand up. If Vereira wanted to let him up, he could have easily, he could have easily let him up. But at that point, Herb would have already stopped it. Because the doctor would have come, come in and said, hang on a minute, you've probably brought your leg there, you've probably brought your foot, this fat's over. So Verera jumped on top and got the finish. He could have easily stopped it there and, and took the doctor stoppage, but no, what looked better? Doctor stoppage or a finish? Exactly. He dove straight in. And yeah, a lot of people might say it were an early stoppage, but that initial elbow, when you actually go and see it, O'Malley were out for about a second or two there. But as soon as he took that elbow, you seen him stiffen up. Oh, yeah. And then, then he went back in the game because you seen him. He went, he stiffened up, he took the elbow, and then it was like two seconds. He covered up. Like when Herb Dean just about to got back in, so it was like, he didn't know that was Herb Dean. At the same, I guarantee that. He didn't know. In two seconds, I guarantee he fought the per- Herb Dean where he were over the top of him. I guarantee he fought even fucking Verrera. Still about to fucking finish him off with more fucking punches because... There's no way you, you don't cover up like that for nothing. If you yeah. when you wake up and you like you see someone over, it's like oh shit. Uh, if you if you knew who that were, her being, you know he's a ref. You know he's not going to fucking ground and pound you. So you won't. There's no need to cover up. Exactly. He covered up because he was out. And Herb Dean is that good of a referee. Uh, obviously going back to Marab, uh, he's uh, he's one of these training guys. Uh, Jamie, I, I shared a video on my Facebook. Jamie snapped someone's fucking arm. He literally. He nearly ripped it off. The guy didn't tap and the ref didn't stop the fight. Jamie actually let go and walked away, shouting, I fucking snapped his arm. He let go, the guy's arm was wobbling. The referee didn't even see it and it was like, how? How did you not even, how did you not see something like that? Um, But that's what Herb seen. Herb seen as soon as O'Malley fell down and as soon as O'Malley took that shot, he's seen, he's he's high level IQ at being a referee and saving these fighters. He's saying not only can O'Malley not stand because he's potentially got a broken foot, O'Malley's just got knocked out there for a second, so now potentially he's got a concussion. So not only has he got a damaged leg, he's got a concussion. He's going to have to have his nine-day suspension. He's going to have to go and have a cat scan. Mm-hmm. So that's why he started. It was not for me that it were a perfect stoppage yeah, uh, and a perfect victory for Marlo Ferreira. He's an animal. He's been an animal since 2014. I know he's lost a couple of fights, and I know he, uh, he's been at decision. But you tell me the last fight. You, he's he's been in a boring fight. He's always again. He's always one of them who's pushed the pace. He's always one of them who's, who's come to fight, willing to fight. Look at his last fight against Song Yudong. Who he absolutely whooped the piss out of, and then got robbed. Yeah, that was a it, horrific decision. It's like I can't remember the last the last time he's been in a boring fight, and again. Tonight against a guy who everyone were 
behind everyone was saying you were the next big thing, you just come, you just took his train away. And again, he finished it off with a perfect promo at the end as well. When he jumped on the cage, you know what did he say? Welcome to the Ferrari show, or well, uh, to Dana or Summit. So stealing O'Malley's stuff, perfect. It's like like Chael Sonnen said after afterwards on the ESPN Live. Um, oh no, wait, uh, Brad Okamora, when he turned to Chael, went, I don't have to tell you, you're a guy like that. He said, but even he finished the promo off perfectly. Obviously, after when he beat him, he jumped on the cage, he stole his punchline and said to Dana what O'Malley said to him, basically, in Contender Series. So, not only has he got the fight IQ, he's also got the promoter IQ. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he stays that way, uh, he, he's he's going to go a, a long way. But before we move on as well, I want to say about O'Malley, about when he was actually in the weigh-ins, there were people saying he was shaking on the stage because making that cut. He's a, he is a big bantamweight. Yeah, I guarantee he cuts. I guarantee he, he does cut a good 15, maybe 16 pounds to get to that weight. And it might not seem a lot, but when you're already small enough as it is to cut more and more weight, it, it can fucking drain on you. We've seen it with Max when he's, he's fighting up uh, featherweight and stuff. Um, so I believe we do see O'Malley come back. Uh, I just believe we see him come back at featherweight rather than bantamweight. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Uh, and. I think I agree with you in, in the fact that I don't think it's a kind of a, a derailment of the heart train. I think it's just if this fight didn't have that ankle injury, it possibly could have gone another way. We you, you can't from that round you can't tell whether um, whether O'Malley would have won that fight because it was just not enough action. That 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 ankle injury was clearly the the significant difference in that fight. So yeah, um, hopefully, like I said, he he, he recovers quickly. Uh, he, he gets himself a hundred percent fit or get, make at least strengthens those ankles because there is weak well, right now. Going up a weight will strengthen. That's what I mean. But when I say going up a weight, I don't mean that because he's not only big. Going up a weight will mean that he'll, he'll have the chance to put an extra £10 of muscle on, put an extra £12 of muscle on, so he can actually still strengthen his... It's all to do with strength and condition. The more, mm-hmm. the more muscle mass you've got and the more strength you've got, the, the better it is for, for, your bo- for your body. And obviously, with him being a fighter, he'll be taking the right nutrition and that to keep his bones healthy. Obviously, there's not a lot of nutrition apart from that protein and obviously um, getting your rest and recovering to work your muscles. But him moving up a weight will give him that more strength and conditioning to not get these silly little injuries where it's going over on his ankle. Because a lot of people might think of it, but we've got 26 bones in our feet, 26 tiny little bones that make up both of our feet. And that's one of the things uh, since since man that... Evolution that basically fucked us over. It's out of our back teeth. We don't need them. Like our ankles are made up of twenty-six little bones, so they're already weak as it is. You can go over them at any point. So now you imagine being a fighter and doing all the movements and and basically being on the uh, being on a slippy canvas where people have been farting, the stuff's been sprayed on it, and getting sweaty yourself. You're gonna go over on your ankle. So it's 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 all a case of he just needs to. Go back and just do a bit of strength and conditioning, and hopefully he gets back to ninety percent, if not hundred percent. Just ninety percent will do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's go into what this fight was. This card was built around the uh, the trilogy fight against Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier, both guys coming in with a victory apiece. Uh, this was the the rubber match. 
Stipe coming in as the champion. Um, and to be fair, he got a, a, a fairly decisive victory. Uh, he picked up the victory by decision. First round, I felt um, it was Cormier's round. Uh, this was really the only round that Cormier tried to do any wrestling. Uh, he uh, he did well in in terms of uh, of getting his opponent on the floor. He had the he Miocic looked very very nervy in this first round. He looked um, kind of like he he couldn't gauge Cormier. And, uh, he used a, a lot of like little tappy leg kicks, which really didn't do any damage. And Cormier, he was very, very confident in this first round. Uh, he was able to, to kind of control the middle of the cage. Uh, Stipe kind of going around the outside. Uh, when when he went in for the takedown, he was able to get it. Stipe did well to kind of like get back to his feet. Uh, but Cormier was also able to, to throw more shots. There was a bit of a break in this round when Cormier caught um, Miocic with an airpock, which gets more significant later on in the fight. Uh, when it comes to Kobe, and you could see that really hurt Miocic's arm instantly swelled, went red, and you could see the cut uh, on the the inside of the eyelid. Uh, but Miocic, uh, getting to the, the back end of the, this fight, the last few seconds, did land a few of his own shots, uh, but uh, Kobe did... He, he did enough to win that first round, I thought, and uh, really give... Um, really give uh, Miocic something to think about. Going into the second round and we saw a bit more of a brave Miocic. He was uh, he uh, did well, he faked a, a takedown to land a couple of shots. He uh, he was able to throw more punches and this is when he, he really started to, to out-throw um, Miocic and uh, out-throw Cormier in terms of uh, significant strikes. And even in that first round when I said that Cormier won it, if you go off just significant strikes, Miocic actually landed the more shots. It's just that Cormier's had more sting about him, and he also had that kind of wrestling, uh, that couple of minutes of like control of wrestling, which really like tipped them to balance. And to be fair to all the first, maybe the, at least the first, the first two rounds in the fourth round, they quite raise a thing, and you could easily have a have an argument to say either fighter won it. But I give the second round to to Miocic just because he kind of turned it up a little bit in in terms of our landing shots, and there was a a point where he he tagged her uh, Cormier, and you could see that it really hurt Cormier. Cormier looked like he was concussed straight away. Uh, I tried to do a, a a bit of evasion, did a spinning back fist whilst he was evading, uh, which landed on Miocic, but Miocic just followed him up and tagged him again, got him, uh, basically knocked him to the floor, and if it wasn't for for uh, Cormier able to grip hold of uh, Miocic in, in, uh, in, on the ground and, and stop him like, laying in those punches and then just surviving that like, 15 seconds till, till the bell went, I think that fight would have finished in the second round. Uh, then going into the third, um, I, I felt that Cormier was still dazed when he came into this third. He really looked, re- he really looked punch drunk. Uh, but Miocic just didn't do enough to kind of pressurise it and he allowed um, Cormier to, to kind of regather his thoughts and, and kind of recover. Uh, but he, he still was able to land shots, he just weren't damaging enough to, to kind of capitalise on Cormier's, uh, um, Cormier's clear like mental, I don't want to say deficiency, but his brain was scrambled and uh, Miocic didn't do enough to capitalise on that. 
uh, once uh, Cormier did recover, he was able to swing back and, and kind of uh, go for the takedown, but Miocic was able to was able to stuff that. Um, and then whilst the, we get to the middle of the round, Miocic was able to uh, start pushing Cormier up against the fence. And this is this is where for me. Miocic won this fight. He was able to control uh, a very elite level wrestler in Daniel Cormier against the fence, uh, using his shoulders and uh, and the, the when he was able to get his hands free, the punches and using the main the main uh, weapon was the double underhooks. He was able to control uh, Cormier up against the cage and really kind of like stuff Cormier's attack. Uh, in this round, we had a little bit of a irony from uh, from Cormier when he uh, made a massive complaint about um, about uh, Stipe Miocic poking him in the eye, which Miocic did poke him in the eye. It was clearly accidental. I believe but, they call that a present in our gym. Basically, if you kick someone in bollocks or poke someone in the eye, just expect your present to come back. Yeah, well, a receipt is called basically. Well, that's uh, in America. Yeah, uh, but... If you if you take all, all the fights that, that that these guys have had, Cormier has put uh, Miocic in the eye. It must be a half a dozen times at least. Like I said, he poked him in the first first round. And no one's saying they're doing it on purpose, but th- this eye poke was way more significant because it it's literally blinded uh, Cormier. Cormier said after the fight that from the the moment he got that eye poke, he could not see out that eye. Just a black, black, black screen. And we've, we've up to press, we've not heard anything about whether that's a, he's, he's got his vision back in that. So hopefully that's something that does happen. Uh, but again, it was another fight where Miocic controlled, uh, another round where Miocic controlled uh, DC and was able to, to pick up that round. Fourth round, uh, again, a lot of the same. It was it was Miocic um, scoring good shots, able to to clinch with uh, Cormier, slowly bully him up against the defence, and, uh, and and control him there. Uh, this in this round, uh, Cormier was uh, was able to kind of like uh, circle away and did land a couple of shots on the way out. But it was a this was probably the the best round for Cormier bef- uh, since the first round. But again, it was so razor thin, you could easily say that either fire took it. Uh, then going into the fifth round, it, it was just Miocic turned it up because he knew he was uh, potentially winning on the card. Uh, Cormier just had nothing left in the gas tank, I don't think. I mean, um, there was the talk of him being really kind of like built, uh, really kind of lost some weight and and uh, being ripped for this fight but when it comes to actual fight time he, 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 he piled that those uh, poundages back on uh, and he was you could tell he was kind of like tired and going just going for like um, basically going to it was in it was in like desperation mode throwing uh, wild shots uh, obviously he was struggling with the ass so he was it was circling towards the opposite side and, and Miocic was able to kind of like um, use that target to, to make sure he was landing enough shots to, to win the round um, he got um, got in against up against the cage landing some good knees we thought that the, the fight would end up getting finished but it, it got to the end and Miocic picked up um, a, for me a, a quite decisive victory I gave him four rounds to one uh, two of the judges agree with me. One of the judges gave it uh, three to two, uh, and yeah, it's the end of an era, really. Daniel Cormier has lost this trilogy. If he comes back, the only potential fight is really the other trilogy, which is already lost because yeah. he's two 0 down. 
Daniel Cormier, after the fight, um, said it said it was over for him. He doesn't is not interested in any kind of fights. What are a title shot? Which at his stage of his career, you can understand. But when you've lost twice in a row to the champion, you can't expect a, another title shot. So um, great victory for Stipe. Very exciting to see what's in his future. And, um, it's a, a sad way to, to end it for someone like Daniel Cormier, but uh, as much as I've kind of been on and off the Cormier bandwagon in terms of like supporting him and, and then uh, not supporting him, the guys give his life to, to combat sports, and yeah. I can't I can't give nothing but praise for someone who is broke broke barriers for for uh, people in in MMA. So yeah, thanks for everything, Daniel. Uh, if you ever do listen to this, uh, we we will always appreciate what you brought to the show. Um, but yeah, great victory for Stipe. Definitely. But on Daniel, win, lose, or draw, he'll always be a great ambassador for the sport, no matter what he does. If he just has to come back, which hopefully, uh, I don't want him to, but like I said to you, I don't believe him when he's saying he's going to stay retired. UFC throws in too much money to take that third fight with horns. Um But yeah, with Stipe, what a, what a fantastic game plan. Uh, Letting letting DC and letting everybody believe that he's just going to go straight back to the body when he knew perfectly he wanted we're going to go for double underhooks because what one of the that's what I didn't understand in the first two fights um, and I, when I seen it in this fight I thought yeah he's worked on it there his coaches have gone on it because in his first two fights with him he didn't go for the double unders he mm-hmm. was only going for like the one under one over and stuff yeah. like that and Daniel were able to get out of it now mm-hmm. when you're the bigger guy and it clearly shows that as well that Stipe has been doing nothing but trade on his wrestling defence and his, mm-hmm. his takedown defence and, and just his wrestling, his grappling, all, uh, all in all. Uh, because DC could not take him down. Even if he tried, he could not take him down. Stipe was not allowing that room or not doing anything sloppy to take him down. He did it in the first round. And then after that, he pretty much gave up on it because it, was, it wasn't going to happen. He, well, he knew. And I, I do believe with Stipe losing the weight, uh, losing a bit of the weight and being a bit faster, I do believe DC had that game plan to come and and, and wrestle fuck him. Because that's what me and Mars were talking about. We were on about who, what, what do you think is going to happen. Mars were on about him coming in and just wrestle fucking him for five rounds. And I'm like, I don't know, mate. I, I don't believe him. I think he's he's saying that to, to show people, but Daniel Cormier wanting to go out, wanting to win that title, wanting to go out as the best. He went, you don't want to go out winning that title. People saying, oh, you only won it because he wrestled fucked you for five rounds. What a boring fight. He was trying to knock Stipe out. He was trying to do everything. He, them, them shots that he was trying to hit Stipe with, them, just swinging them over and right. He wanted to knock Stipe out. He wanted to knock him out and take that title that way. So mm-hmm. people didn't have the chance to say, no, you're not the best heavyweight in the world because you had to wrestle fuck him and you had to hug him for five rounds. He wanted to knock you out so he could so people so people say that yeah, you are the best because I don't believe he lost that far. You know I know he lost the far, but in as when it goes to moral victories, he last his last part of the career, people will look at that and look at him as, as a winner. Because yeah, he might not have wrestled fucked him, yeah, he might have lost. But at the end of the day that was one of the fucking most exciting heavyweight farts that has been and that's what people remember people won't remember the fact is oh he lost by unanimous decision it'd be he near enough fucking because he rocked he rocked he rocked Stipe twice mm-hmm. twice he, he rocked him he hurt him um, 
and I believe his game plan were to wrestle him. But after that first round, when Stipe was just showed him that I'm I'm too strong for you now, I'm stronger than you. You're not going to hold me down because you, yeah, you've been able to take me down, but I'm up straight like that. And I believe DC felt that. DC felt his energy. DC felt his strength. DC felt shit. I know I'm not going to be able to hold this guy down. He's he's bigger than me. He's got good. Even though Daniel Cormier is he's amazing at wrestling. If you've got good takedown defense and decent wrestling yourself, there is not much what an elite wrestler can do to you. Because at the end of the day, if you know how to defend a lot of the stuff, yeah, as long as you're not offensive with it and putting yourself in stupid positions where DC can reverse them, as long as you're just constantly being defensive, 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 even if DC were to take you down, you're probably going to end up getting stood up because DC can't work. And that's what DC felt as soon as he took him down. Steve Pader stopped him straight away, stopped him from being able to advance. And as soon as he stopped him from being able to advance, straight back to his feet, straight back to the clinch, straight back to the double unders. Because when you're the taller fighter, you'd be stupid not to do the double unders. Because that's what helped him in this fight a lot, the double unders and the cage work. Because in the first fight, again, he went one under one over. DC were able to get out of it. He's the bigger opponent. Now, if you imagine someone who's bigger than you and you're stood up and they've got their arms under, your arms are up here. So when you're stood up, you're having to fight more to get your arms down. Stipe only has to stand there with his hands clinched just underneath you. He's already the bigger guy. He's, he's there basically making you go on your tiptoes, mm-hmm. which is making you having to not only carry your own weight, having to fight yourself out of that position. I believe Stipe did the game plan that DC was going to do to Stipe. Hold him, make him carry Stipe's weight and make him carry his own weight and tire him out. And I believe that's what he did do. He, he did tire DC out. And obviously the airport, yeah, people can say that that played in in um, in Stipe's favour. But at the end of the day, that did it not play in DC's favour in the second fight when he poked him in half about eight times? Did it not play in DC's favour in the first fight when he, when he poked him in half? Uh, before he won and stuff, and then in, in this fight when he pulled him in the in the first round. Exactly. So it's see them them uh, them pros and cons to the game at the end of the day. There's there's always something like that going to happen, and and when you've when you've done it to your opponent so many times, unfortunately you can't come in and, and complain about it when when you get it done to you. If you play dirty, you're gonna get someone who's gonna play dirty back. It's as simple as that. You're not. It's all about respect. People are going to show you the respect you give them. Yeah, you might be punching them in the face, but if you do something dirty to them, that's the respect that they've lost for you. They're going to want to fucking give you that back. At the end of the day, you've you give them a present. You want to return the present. At the end of the day, it's only fair. Um, but yeah, DC, as soon as he felt Stipe's uh, strength and, and being able to realise, hang on a minute, I'm not going to be able to like, hold him down here. Shit, I'm fucking stuck here just fucking swing for the fences because there were no fair enough his jabs a couple of jabs were setting him up but look at actually how he was swinging him it was just fucking wild swinging that right hand just hopefully catching Stipe when he goes down but then again Stipe he could have I don't know understand why he wasn't throwing that left left hook when he was going down because DC has always got that habit of going down to the right going down to the right going down to the right and that's what owns that's how Bones going with that head kick, and I know it's it's he's a lot easier to to not hit his head because he's a, a weird way of moving his head. But as soon as you put your head down to the right, it's always open. It's always open, 
And I know he sometimes uses that to coax you in, but when you're the bigger guy with an eight inch reach advantage, that hook is open all day long for you. Same with that, same with that high kick. And we only saw Stipe actually throw a high kick, I think it was in the fourth or the fifth round, when DC were going down to the right. Because if you remember, he literally only threw one that went past the actual fucking midsection. Yeah. Um, now, if he were doing that in the beginning, Stipe, uh, DC wouldn't have been going down to there a lot more. Because he would have been thinking, fuck, he's already caught me there. Like, that's, that's a game plan I'm going to have to change right now. The bad habits that his last fight, what, like I said to you, why are you going to work on bad habits if it's your last fight? You're going to work on trying to win. You're going to work on trying to knock this guy out and fucking win. That's, that's why he work on. That's why he ports him in the ass straight away. Because it's a bad habit that his coaches aren't going to waste time working on. Because if his coaches knew that this was his last fight, deep down this was his last fight, his coaches are working on getting DC that belt. His coaches aren't working on, oh, DC, you've got to do this to play fair to, to make the fans do this. Fuck, okay, everybody, it's your last fight. It's your last fight to get a belt. You try and get that belt. Fuck everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, not taking anything away from Steve. Steve were able to go in there tonight, win the trilogy, and show everyone why he is the best heavyweight in the world. A two-time heavyweight champion, defended the belt four times, more times than anybody else. All he needs to do is lose it again, fucking pick it back up and defend it again. And he's held, it, he's held the belt more times than Randy Couture. Um, he's defended the belt more times than anybody else in that division. Uh, who else is he, who else is is Stipe left to beat in that division to say he is the the all time greatest heavyweight champion unless obviously going on to if Bones goes up well, he's beat let's get on to that that's it he's Joe Stipe is beat Francis Ngannou he's beat DC he's beat Vadum he's beat JDS Stipe has beat everybody put in front of him what's next for Stipe the greatest heavyweight champion. Well, yeah, we both know that uh, Bones was live tweeting this far, uh, very much hinting that uh, he wanted to move up. Um, I, I've said to uh, a couple of friends on, on Twitter and also to Carl, personally, I think uh, Bones is the harder fight for, for, for Stipe because in this fight with DC, uh, he looked vulnerable to clinch fighting. He looked vulnerable to uh, people coming in with uh, in and out uh, one two combinations, and he also looked vulnerable to counter striking, which is three of the biggest tools in uh, in uh, Bones's uh, arsenal. But Dana has also kind of reacted to uh, Bones's uh, Bones's tweeting and said that um, there's no way that. The, they step over Francis again. Uh, he said that Francis has has, has had a, a lot of fights where he's been overlooked and kind of like just been the wrong person in the wrong time for a title shot. Uh, so Dana said that Francis is next, when uh, uh, whether Bones moves up or not. So are we going to see Bones kind of finish off that... Um, Kind of rubber stamp his his, uh, his uh, legacy in the lightweight division by uh, finishing uh, Reyes and then moving up, or does he drop the title, wait and just wait for the winner of Nagano and Miocic? We'll see. Uh, but the the hints are that Bones is moving up very very soon. Um, 
there's a lot of call for the Reyes fight. People were obviously saying that Reyes beat him in the last fight. I don't believe that he did. I felt that Bones won that fight. And if you remember all the times that Bones has had a rematch with someone when they've claimed that maybe they're the best of him, they got the best of him, he comes back and he absolutely... He takes all doubt out of the equation. Did it with Gustafsson. People were saying, yeah, Gustafsson beat him. He came back and he dominated him. Um, did it against DC when... Uh, uh, he dominated DC in the second fight. It's, it's very likely that Bones just turns it up again against uh, Reyes and, and finishes that fight, and then uh, moves on. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting next couple of fights for for the, that kind of uh, three way between Bones and Garnu and Stipe. Uh So it'll be fun to see where that goes. Definitely. Uh, speaking on that lines, we've got all the likes of John Jones, Francis Ngannou, Steve Miocic and Dominic Reyes. Uh, and said, uh, with all them lot in the wings to fight each other, anything could happen over the last couple of weeks. So stay tuned in the Five Rounds podcast and we'll keep you updated over the next couple of weeks and see what comes out of all this. Yeah. Um, so uh, after we kind of broke uh, MMA news uh, last week, uh, mentioning the fact that that uh, Yoel Romero and uh, Uriah Hall's fight had been quietly taken off the card and then it broke a few days later that uh, it was because Yoel Romero was ill. Uh, next week's card uh, is it's, it's a weak-looking card on paper, but we've always said that these kind of weak-looking cards, they're full of fighters who want to make a name for themselves and it, it, it gives for more exciting fights. So really there's two big fights, well, one big fight and one big name fighter in a fight uh, so the main event is Frankie Edgar taking on Pedro Munoz in that bantamweight division and then we've got the core main event of uh, OSP moving back down to, to heavyweight after his uh, after his little dalliance uh, uh, um, sorry moving back down to lightweight after his little dalliance at heavyweight where he was totally totally outclassed he's taking on Alonso uh, Manfield Marcin per- uh, Prachnio taking on Matt Rodriguez um, Mariah Agapova fighting again. She's taking on Shayna Dobson, and then rounding off the the main card, we've got Daniel Rodriguez taking on Takashi Sato. So that's going to be an interesting interesting fight next week. Uh, so tune in for that. Uh, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at DJ Kirby. Follow Carlos here at Kirby underscore Carlos. Follow this show at Five Rounds Pod. Uh, thank you all for listening, and that is the end. Adios, amigos. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.